Welcome to the Hard Water Fishing Show. Jeff and Jason talk tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. All right, we are alive, season five, episode 10. It is already the second week of January 2020. And holy cow, do we have a show for you tonight? We have, we had a, a great guest on tonight, Jeff. Yeah, Brian Brosdahl, bro, was on the show. I mean, this is awesome. We are so excited he agreed to be on the show. And he has so many great stories. It's, I'm excited to get to it. In fact, so excited we might not talk a lot except for have the have interview. the episode. We'll try to cut our our yabbering down to a minimum and just hit our <laughs> hot topics, and then we'll get into the interview with Bro. More to come, and I'll tell uh, before we go into the interview later in the show. I'll tell you a little bit more about Bro if you if you're not familiar with him. Um, Jeff, what are you drinking? I uh, did a pit stop. Um, my kids are swimmers, and so near Wait, the pool. Isn't it cold up there? Well, they swim inside, not in That's the lake. That's pretty fancy. I know. Although I heard the story recently that there was some lake in Minnesota that they cut a hole in it and they put a fe- like orange snow fence around it, and people just jump in the lake in the winter. Does that sound weird? No, that sounds awesome if you're coming out of a hot sauna. I think it had a sauna, too. They had a sauna there, too, and then they jump I, in the lake. I could get behind that. Yeah. I don't know where that was. I have no facts other than that, that, this happened. That, that this is a thing. Yeah, yes. I. So, anyways, so yeah. so my kids are swimming okay. next to the pool or cl- close to it is a a brewery, right? Like a you know brew. That's smart location, really, if you think about it. So I stopped in there because I wanted to get a different beer to try out, and I got a crowler. Do you know what a crowler is, Jay? A crowler or a growler? A crowler. So a growler is like the glass container that you reuse. Okay. And you bring it in, and they fill it, and it has their logo yeah, on it. Yeah, so I do not um, so know what a, a crowler is. So a crowler is just like a really big can of beer. Oh, holy cow, that is a big can of beer. It reminded me of, like, you know back in the 90s or maybe even 80s when they had Foster's, and it was Australian for beer, and they had a giant can? We didn't have TV in the 80s, so I don't remember that. <laughs> well, did they have TV in Iowa? <laughs> well, we they people did, but we really didn't have much. <laughs> well, anyways... Um, so, so I got a crowler, so it's like a really big can. It's one pint, nine point four ounces. That's seven hundred and fifty milliliters of beer. Wow! It's you're it's not really going to sleep much tonight, are you? You're going to be up and going to the bathroom like five times. It's it's really made to share, honestly. Like it's not necessarily something you drink, but it's kind of cool to drink a giant can of beer. That, that's right? a so. it's. I mean, I that's that's quite the can of beer. It makes pounders look small. I I know. So. Yeah. A little beer envy. Um, so this is uh, from Luplin is the brewery, which they do sell it at liquor stores around here and stuff. But uh, Luplin is the brewery, and it's called Haffer Flocken. Good lord! <laughs> Don't say that too. Heifer, this is a family show. Haffer Flocken. You got to be careful how you say What's that. What's the one. translation but, of Haffer Flocken? I don't know, but it is a German I'm beer, German and I, there's no story for it. But uh, it's an oatmeal stout for two. 0.2% alcohol, and it was canned on 12-13-21, so actually it's a beer from last year. 
You know what Haffer Flocken means? Well, I'll let you drink it. What is I'll it let you mean? drink it, and then you tell me. If, and we'll see if you. All right, I'm gonna open it. We'll up. See if you figure this it out. Giant can. Ooh, really good. Yep. So awesome. you know what? And I have to use two Haffer Flocken means. What does Haffer Flocken mean? Oatmeal. Oh well, it's an oatmeal stout. Yeah. So, so I would like a big blow of bowl of Haffer Flocken. <laughs> Word of the word of the that's a fun word. I like it. It is a fun I word, like it a lot. And, and it's almost like sounds like a bad word, but it's, it's not, not a bad it's word. It's oatmeal. oatmeal. Huh, it's yeah. very well. And I live in a German town, and it's German beer, and it seems good. All right. Also means there rolled oats. Apparently, there's some other. It's a noun. Well, is there a difference between rolled oats and oatmeal? It's the same thing, right? I, I think it is. I was looking to see if there's other. I'm really into this word now. Okay. Well, you need to move on from your word. So back when I bought Old Milwaukee, the, the trouble I'm running into is it was a 30-pack. And it takes a while for me to work my way through a 30-pack of Old Milwaukee. So I am, again, having old... It's growing on me, I will say. My beard is getting grayer the more I drink Old Milwaukee. <laughs> I don't know if those two things are connected or not. But anyway, once again, Old Milwaukee, America's beer. Yep, that's still old Milwaukee. It's actually so grown. I on think me. you need to have some friends, Jay. I don't have. Do you have any friends to come help you drink this beer? Somehow, when I say, "Hey, I've got some old mill," they're like, "Yeah, well, I got to go to church." <laughs> One guy had to mow his lawn in January. I mean, it's just yeah. It's, I'm not getting a lot of. I have a headache. I need to wash <laughs> my hair. I'm not getting a lot of response. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I, I think you know if anybody can help Jay out, he needs. Oh no, I'm. I'm about done. Oh, I mean, like expand my beers or help drink and yes. No, don't yes. invite people to drink my old Milwaukee. I'll take care of that eventually. I want to say thank you to our patrons for your support of the show. It helps offset some of the costs, and we really appreciate that. So thank you, and uh, we will be scheduling soon a call, a Zoom call this month for January too. I'll get that on the calendar. It's not on there yet, but it will get there. Very cool. That'll be a lot of fun. And we have a couple show business things. Um, probably the two biggest things, and one of them is really big. And Jason, did you forget about this? Maybe? Possibly? Um, oh, two things. I one, did. Uh, I've already uh, forgotten. Yeah. That is a really you big thing. forgot about this. It was oh like gosh. two days yeah. ago. We spent like yeah. an evening. We did. We spent, spent an evening cow. configuring the har- hard water fishing show, Fish Donkey. Our first annual ever ice fishing contest. It is available right now on Fish Donkey. But not open yet, right? When does it start? Yeah, it's not open yet, but you can sign up. And you can sign up from now until it's over. And it ends on the lucky day of February 13th. At midnight. So it's at, at midnight. 11.59 11.59 to, to be exact. exact. Yeah. Because we would recommend on Valentine's Day you send that with your significant others versus yes. fishing. I mean, we're just saying that. Can, we We were not forced to say that. You can revel in your winnings of your 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 tournament and then go out with your special someone. So it starts on January 21st. Winning the tournament will not pay the, for that date, however. No, there's no paying for the date. No paying for the date. The tournament starts on January 21st. This is a virtual tournament on Fish Donkey, so you need to download the Fish Donkey app, search for Hardwater Fishing Show 2022 tournament, and you can join. It's $5.00. It's just kind of a fun tournament, and there's five prizes. So we have 
basically five divisions and categories. So we have largest northern pike, largest walleye, stringer of three crappies, stringer of three sunfish, and stringer of three trout. So you can win hard water swag. And we haven't quite decided. It'll it'll be a hat or something that isn't sized. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll send those out and that'll be the prize. Yeah, the, the depth of the swag will probably be directly related to the number of participants in the show right or in the uh in the contest right in the contest so if we get a yes. whole bunch so, of people then we'll we'll pretty much take those entry i think it's a five dollar entry fee and we'll we'll parlay yep. that into hard water swag and send that out to our winners for the most part but if like four yep. people come you know maybe what we'll give them a, a business card or a sticker or something well we'll give away hats we have at hard a minimum water hat. hats at, at a, a minimum. minimum you'll get a hat you'll get a hat a stocking if you hat. win and yes. if, if you can talk 30 of your closest friends to joining, then it might get better. Not that a hat's bad. No, it's good. I mean, typically the only way to get a hat, um, there was one available in the store, right? Uh, when we had Correct. the store open. Yeah. Typically, um, we give them away to other people occasionally who um, you know come on the show or you know help us out with the show. So they will give them away. So they're not something you can buy. Well, on a so patron, it's, right? It's Isn't there a certain level of patron? Yes, yep. if you're at the highest level of patron, you also and get a the hat. We said beautiful that. thing about a hat is you typically don't outgrow them, and you they don't. don't shrink like no, most of don't. my clothes. And they even fit my giant head. And if it can fit Jeff's giant head, it can fit yours. And this isn't like a. <laughs> we're not talking a, like a theoretical. Like I have a big head. Like, like ego you know, wise. No, it's no, not an ego. I just have a big head. Cranium. <laughs> like physically large. So please sign up. Um, we will put that out on Facebook. I have a post out there too to put on there. Um, we'll get that out tonight, but um, you know, sign up. It, it should be fun. We'll talk about the leaderboard at future episodes and really just want to have some fun with it. Right. And another way to engage with everybody mm-hmm. who listens to the show. Yep. Awesome. All right. So then the other big kind of news, um, obviously we have, the upcoming event with Hardwater Freaks. Ah, yes. That we will be at. And that is on Saturday, January 29th. And the event is, is supporting Wisconsin Wounded Warriors United and also Fishing from the Heart, both which are nonprofits. And we don't know exactly where we're going to be at that event, but we'll be somewhere. We will be there in Wisconsin at the Lure Bar for the day. And be fishing some too. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do some fishing. That Lake Pentawell is a lake that's on, and that I sent you some pictures of some fish somebody caught on that lake. I think it's a mm-hmm. pretty good fishing lake. So I'm pretty excited. For sure, that's yeah, a big one. Pretty good. Pretty excited. It'll be fun. So uh, show business, Jay. We uh, use our Amazon affiliate link that helps. We get a little little something from Amazon um, if you order something and use our link. So please do that if you hear about gear that we talk about that you think is cool. You can also find our merch, uh, hardwatershow.com slash merch, which is just like sweatshirts, t-shirts, that kind of stuff. We have that available. Uh, we use Redbubble is our site that we use that for. And you can interact with us on social media, Instagram and Facebook. Find us on our website, hardwatershow.com. We have a YouTube page that you can check out with um, a few videos, mostly just a, a video version of the podcast, but there's a few other, maybe some ice sailing or you know, some popular videos like 
Uh, we had, I think, season one or two, we had somebody build this really cool ice shack that goes off his pickup truck, and it's usually one of the videos that's most popular on the site. So, And you can obviously email us at hardwidershow at gmail.com. I don't know why it's obvious, but I said that anyways. So it's obvious it to me. <laughs> it's obvious. All right, so that's show business. So, Jay, did you see we had a fact check this week? I was looking. I was trying to look that up. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah, so Paul B., sent it in so last week we talked about those live scope type style uh you know fish finders there's live scope and which is hummingbirds and then the garmin what's garmin optics and live scope panoptics and then the third option the lorance has active target Uh, as their version of or forward facing sonar i think is the term these days yeah, so I guess it depends which way is forward. People move it around, right? And then um, Jay Siemens is the guy on YouTube who did the review. He had literally all three stacked up next to each other. Got so um, search for Jay Siemens on YouTube, and you will see the video, and you can decide which one, which forward-facing radar, not radar, forward-facing sonar, sonar yep. that you want to have instead of a retirement fund. <laughs> and if anybody so. wants to donate some of that to the show, feel free. We'll be happy to take it for a spin. I'm not even picky about which one. Did you notice? Now you skipped right over something else, though. There was another comment on yes last month or last week's show. Oh, that it's down below. We just haven't gotten to oh. it yet. You're skipping. Over. Am I skipping ahead? I should look at the show notes. I apologize. You, if you look at the show notes, which I put together. <laughs> okay, go on then. Go you can, on. You can find these things. All, All right. right, so. So, uh, listener news here. Uh, it was an interesting article in, um, you know, my favorite newspaper, the Outdoor News. Uh, oh, there's a surprise. The to- I know. <laughs> I get a lot of news from it. I love it. It comes on Fridays. I yeah. tear through that thing, and it's all about fishing this time of year. I love it. The Lake Detective, Steve McComas, and the January 7th edition talked about biomimicry. It seemed like a big word. Biomimicry. I've heard about this. So it was just interesting. One of the things they mentioned was how scales on a fish actually make them fish fast or swim faster than if they had flat skin. Then why are trout so fast? They don't really have scales, do they? I don't know, but but they said scales on a fish, kind of like an airplane, right? It creates a area of low. It's like the golf ball effect. So dimples on a golf ball. Right. The water comes over the scales, mm-hmm. and then like. You know, because it's bumpy, it actually makes them faster because there's like low pressure areas of where the water is. Yeah, um, it doesn't stick to them. Yeah, exactly. So there was some other examples of that, but I just thought it was an interesting, interesting article about how uh, you know even some things that we do in real life are from nature, like you know making things bumpy on a golf ball to make it go faster, even though you'd think a smooth golf ball would go faster. So just like a fish, like a ping pong ball. Yeah, a ping pong ball would be slower. A ping pong ball would be slower by this theory because it does not have scales. A ping pong ball doesn't have scales. If you put scales on a ping pong ball, it would go faster. Eh, I think there's something wrong with my I think logic there. I don't think you're doing it right. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? I think we better move on. We should stay away from science uh, other than just reading science. Well, I mean, but the lake detective, this guy, he knows a lot oh, about yeah, lakes. and absolutely. And, and this... Scales and biomimicry. Read the real article, and you'll be informed versus the confusion that we just caused. <laughs> so, 
right. Uh, so yeah, why don't you tell us about uh, Fam here? What what did he talk about? Family basically said the same thing I said at the last or in our last podcast is that he was not a fan of the Suffolk six pound monoline. Had the same problem where it didn't come off the spool real nice. Um, was kind of difficult to work with, um, twisty, so and not real supple. I guess is maybe the word I'm looking for. That it, it just didn't work real well. So I, it's nice, and he regretted it, which I did too. So <laughs> it's just nice to some vindication there. It wasn't just me. It wasn't a user error issue. I guess I'm gonna say that if your biggest regret in life is using six pound suffix mono, you've got a pretty good life. Well, just that person's regretting using that. I didn't. I don't think it says it's the biggest regret they have in their life. Oh, okay, okay, that's good. It's that's a regret, <laughs> but not. You know, I don't. It's maybe a, it is, and 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 they don't allude to that. But they're regretting <laughs> buying the line. I mean, it's it's not. You know, I'd hate to overstate. We're quantifying. The I hate to overstate regret. it, but you go to the. You know, you take time out of your day. You drive to the store. You look at all the line. You think about all the line. You look at all the end of the boxes. You you read all the descriptions. You make a decision. You buy the line, right? Then you re-spool your line, and then you go on a trip, and the line sucks. And you're like, I regret this. And I believe that's what happened. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. It's <laughs> like an infomercial in there with the line everywhere. And <laughs> yeah, can going, you see oh, it? No. Can I, did I paint the visual picture? Although, no, it did, he did say that he stripped it off and was going to put it in three-pound floral. I don't know. I mean, I think you're going to be unhappy with floral if you weren't happy with mono that was twisty. It, yeah, I don't know. I haven't decided what I'm going to put on yet. I'm going to go back to the store. I'm going to stare at the line. I'm going to read some more boxes and try something else. So I would try six pound ice line mono, um, but not Suffolk. From who, It's though? a different brand. I don't know. That's the question, right? Yeah. like Six pound mono. But I'm going to go five pound. Suffix. I heard that's all the rage. If you can find it, if you can get five pound. They have five pound. Well, thanks fam for sending that in and giving us that feedback so we can talk about line somewhere. Cause we talk about line a lot because it's important. Well, I mean, it is. It Otherwise is. you're just I chucking mean... lures down the hole and hoping the fish brings them back <laughs> like a golden retriever. <laughs> I tried to fish once without just line. Chucking them you down there. The... <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty would, would you integral. Free the minnow separate from the lure? You know, you could get by without the rod and the reel, but the line and the lure are probably the two most important pieces of fishing. Yeah. You, you need a hook and some line, or you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you can distill it down to just that. And, and, you know, it's not like food where you have deconstructed things. You can't throw the line and the hook and the bait in the hole. <laughs> no, they all have to be connected. You're just chucking, or really, you're just polluting at that point. Yeah, you're you're just <laughs> polluting, and don't pollute. That's gross. All right. So gear, Jay. I had a couple, couple gear things for me this time. So, um, oh, this was a tough one. I this is a public service announcement, Jay. Okay. What'd you do, I mean, Jeff? This is this or is. Or what like, did you forget you know, to do, Jeff? You know when NBC, when you were a kid and they had like after school specials, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they don't have those anymore, but like you just come home from school and there'd be special shows just for for uh, teenagers or preteens, right? Mm-hmm. And during that after school special, there would be the more you know little things, mm-hmm. you know, they give you little tidbits like, you know, brush your teeth or yeah. 
Where's this going? The more you know, but well, this is going. It's getting there. We're getting there. So, um, this is my the more you know moment to public service announcement. So I went fishing. I don't know. You know when you come home from fishing, you're like, it's packing and unpacking. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I hate that. I have a system and all, but it takes time. So I just dumped everything in the garage, Never including the bait point. bucket, because the previous week was warmer, and I just put the bait bucket in the garage, and the minnows actually made it all week, right? But it was like minus 26. Uh-oh. I realized midweek that I'm like, oh, those minnows are out in the garage. I should take care of them. And then a couple more days passed. Oh, no. oh yeah, those minnows. I went out there, and it's minus 26, and my garage stays a little warm, but not that warm. So that I have a brick of frozen minnows in my bait bucket. And it's got the net. It's a Frable. Frable. Did you throw it in the, you throw it in the laundry sink? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. You can get away with that at, at Ron's, but not, not in my house. <laughs> I think you should try it and report back. Yeah, you've seen these Frable bait yeah, buckets, right? Yeah. They're yellow top, yep. white. I mean, it's nice. It's kind of like your... Your, um, what brand do you have? It's white. It's white. Uh, it's very popular, but the Frable one's a little bigger, um, quite a bit bigger, but it works good for, has a bubbler in it and stuff. So, uh, it has a net inside too, which is really nice because you can get the minnows out and grab your minnow and, you know. I have an angle bait cooler. Angle bait cooler. So the whole thing was a block of ice, Mm -hmm. right? With frozen dead minnows in it. It was actually some water in the bottom, but it was kind of gross. Yeah. So, so then I did the smart thing is I brought the whole thing in because then I can thaw it out, right? Yeah. So I put yeah. it in the utility room. Okay. Not in the sink, but oh, utility okay. room. And I let it thaw out, you know, just overnight, or maybe I forgot about it for another day or so. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so finally, I'm like, I got to do something about this bait bucket situation. And I go, it's thawed, and there's a bunch of dead minnows, and it stinks really bad. Right, like, I mean, you know, your wife listens and, and I remember to this I show, went, right? Your wife that? listens to this show. I know she kind of knows. Okay, maybe she's not. gonna know, know now. <laughs> so, so garbage disposal, uh, or what'd you do next? Yo, know, so so I just got a garbage bag and we used the net and dumped them okay. out, and it was really stinky, but it still stinks. And I remember I went to Reed's on the way to Malax one day and. I'm like, I'm sorry, my bait bucket stinks a little bit. And she's like, oh, you should see some of the bait buckets that come through here. But there are ways to get rid of the stink. The, the so, dishwasher. No, not... <laughs> Do you have a spare room in your house that I can live in, Jason? No, go on. So so um, I'm going to try vinegar yep. and water. Yep. And you pour it in there, it should take the smell away. And then I can have a bait bucket again. So that's going to be my. When goal. you do that, throw a bunch of baking soda in there too. Do together? Do they make a no? Mess no, can it'll you be put fine. Those two together. You report back. I don't think like I. I've read you can use baking soda or no, vinegar, they, but I don't you put think... them together. They work better. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you buying me a new bait bucket? It won't. It'll not hurt your bait bucket whatsoever. Okay. Okay. It'll get rid All of right. the smell. Trust me. All right. So that's the first gear thing. The second thing is. So my gloves are worn out. My mitts are worn out. I've got these Frable mitts. They're probably five years old plus. They don't make them anymore. Frable doesn't make mitts anymore. I don't know. So I went on a trek for new mitts. And I like mitts because gloves never keep my hands warm. 
And so I found these things called, and this is a little foreshadowing, uh, monkey mitts, which happened to be sponsored by Bro. <laughs> yeah, or they sponsor like, him. They sponsor him, yes. They sponsor him. So I'm like, I need good mitts, and I Google it. And the first thing, I, the second thing is Bro talking about monkey mitts. And I'm like, I was looking at them on Amazon. They're here. So, so I ordered a pair. They're pretty expensive. They're like $90. But I don't like cold hands um there's a theme here because i think i got cold and i my went and you know my i'm reading some of the reviews on amazon and my best the best comment here i'm reading is the top of the thumbs have fleeced to wipe the snot off your nose <laughs> yes they do they well do. thought out gloves or mittens yes uh, they had a they had like a thing to clean off your glasses too which could be and you don't want to mix those two things up <laughs> No. Don't. All right. Keep that um, and, yes. And so I'm going to try those out and I'll report back. I also got a new pair of boots. Um, I have like my Arctic. I can't drive my car because they're so big, Cabela's boots. And then I bought these snow machine boots. They were, they were 99 bucks. Um, I know they're not what. I see you did not take my advice. These were cheaper. And okay. I didn't know. I tried on. So I tried on rubber boots at Cabela's because I wanted to see if I liked them. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I like rubber boots. Like, they feel weird on my feet. They don't fit me well. I don't know. I have very odd feet, very wide feet that are hard to okay. wear well, shoes for. And I could for not... F I, the rubber boots just didn't seem to work for me. So, these are just like pack boots. My, my one qualification was I needed them to be somewhat cheap. I wouldn't say cheap, but cheaper than like my big pack boots. Under $100. And also that I wanted to be able to slip them on because mm -hmm. then they can get on and off easy. So yeah. I I got them. I had cold feet the other day when I was just outside sledding with one of my kids. And so I'm like, I need new boots. And I got these. So we'll, we'll report back on how those work after this weekend when I use them. Yeah. I mean, is it going to be cold this weekend? Or are you going to be able to give them a good run? I don't know. I mean, I wear Crocs in the ice shack, so, you know, I mean, Lord. it might not be a lot of testing. I'm guessing when we go to, to Devils, it'll be more testing. Or when we go to Hard Rider Freaks event, it'll be more yeah. testing. Yeah, that'll be the biggest, because you won't be able to dry yeah. boots out overnight. No, for sure. So, yeah, they're called uh, Redhead Snow Machine Insulated Pack Boots. Okay. Seems well, yeah, cool. we'll see we'll, we'll see that. how that goes. So, I actually, yeah. I have a fishing report. Do you have a fishing report real quick? I do not have a fishing report. I did not fish last so week. It's a rare day when I have one and you don't. Exactly. All right. So what's your fishing report, Jay? We caught some small pan fish and I caught a bass. Cool. Yeah. So we was fishing a, a small kind of county park lake okay. um, up in northeast Iowa. And uh, it was cold. It was really cold. Uh, colder than I expected. It was like, uh, I don't know, like three degrees, but really windy. So we okay. stayed in the house most of the time, but we moved around a lot, as me and another fellow. And um, so we drill a couple holes and then move and then drill a couple more holes and move around. I think the most success I had on, um, we used uh, waxies. Um, and then I caught a nice bass, on, okay. which is, you know, a bass on a panfish rod is a lot of fun. It so is. certainly a lot yeah. of fun. But, the, it, you know, if I was judging by the amount of movement on the lake on a cold day, nobody was having a ton of luck. 
You know, it's kind of yeah. like when it's it's five degrees and windy and everybody's moving every 10 minutes, you can kind of bank on the fact that people aren't catching fish. Yes. There was a couple folks that were staying put, and I think they might have been. They were kind of where I wanted to be, and I didn't want to sure. snuggle up to them. You know, I, I hate yeah. fishing right next to people if I don't have to, so. But uh, trying to think what lure I caught my fish on. Let's see. I tried all the things. I tried the slab seeker. No luck again on that. Oh, Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread pattern. Um, not the caddis cane, but kind of a. Like it's a dropper. Yeah, it's kind of like, like a, a tungsten dropper. A scud. It. What the heck? It's almost. Sh- it's kind of got a little scoop shape to it. But it's it's almost okay. like a caddis game, but it's got a little angle to it. I, I, the name escapes me, but yeah, real small presentation with with uh, a wax. And actually, that's what I caught the bass okay. on too. So, oh, we were fishing anywhere from we tried anywhere from twelve feet of water out to twenty four feet of water. Tried the okay. edges, tried the base, and tried some man made structure in the lake, and just stuff was tight lipped. Did did uh, how big were the the sunfish um had? just under keeper size small i would okay. say small a couple of them would have, you could have kept if you were keeping some you know some eight inches or so sure by themselves it wouldn't have been you would have had to make soup soup <laughs> <laughs> make soup yeah hey i mean you caught some fish yeah, you got, got out, out got mean... fishing went fishing with an, a guy you don't get to fish with a lot so that was cool because you get to hear all new stories you know, and we had a nice morning fishing, and and he drove, so that was even cooler. I didn't have to drive, so and we Sweet. used his house, so that's even better. And so you were guided. Eh, if he was guided, I wouldn't have tipped him. But um, <laughs> we used my hogger. I drilled the holes, so um, it went pretty good. I had a nice time. It was good to be out. Yeah, I'm watching Jeff drink this beer, and I know you guys can't with see two this. Hands. He's like. He's like a kid with a big mug of hot cocoa. He's like lifting it up and kind of <laughs> sipping it and sending it back down. It's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. In your life. <laughs> it's just if you know if there was a man card, it should his should be pulled. <laughs> well, I think on that note, should we get to our topic tonight? To our interview? Yeah, I think we should, Jay. We better get to yeah, it because it's a really good interview, is. and we need so, to leave plenty of time. I'm going to do just a little bit of an introduction here. Let me get to that information. What happened? Here we go. So we're going to have. Are we interviewed tonight? We actually did it tonight, even. We did, but we come back and record the rest of the show. So we're going to have uh, here in a second Brian Bro Brostall on. He's from Northern Minnesota, and he is uh, a, a well-known angler in in a lot of areas of north america he fishes for anything that for the most part has fins he's a multi-species angler walleye panfish you'll find out in the interview what his true love is we won't spoil that for you until we get there Um, he's been on tv he's been on multiple podcasts he reps for a ton of companies and is sponsored by a ton of companies fraybill northland tackle Um, he just did finished up a series of podcasts facebook live events they're all on youtube We'll link some of that on the show. I watched several of them. I'm going to go back and watch the rest. The one I watched, he had one on last night, Jeff. And I, I kid you not, I learned 20 things. 20 things wow. at least. And we'll cover a couple smattering of them in the interview. But um, that his last show, I think he just let all the secrets out of the bag, man. He had so many things I had <laughs> never thought of. And I'm, I'm not telling you any of them. So if you don't watch them yourself... Jeff, that's your fault because I'm going to bring, I'm going to pull them out at Devil's Lake this year and just slaughter the fish. That's my goal. Sweet. 
So with no further, without further ado, we'll get into our interview. Welcome to the Hardwater Fishing Show. Today we have bro, Brian Brosdahl on the show. So we're super excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's good to see you, Jason, Jeff. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm glad to be here and I love talking fishing. We do too. <laughs> In fact, we, we actually talk about fishing more than we actually get to fish, which is why we have to have professionals like you on to tell hey, us how to do it. Hey, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be able to talk fishing right now. You know I mean? It's, it's really cool. And, and, and what I like uh, with that too, you might ask questions too, that I don't normally get because it's always how, where, when, or whatever, but I just like, uh, I just like, uh, you know, this venue, it sounds great. Cool. Awesome. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to, we want to start with like all the way back at the beginning, bro. Like how did, how did you become the bro? How did the fishing thing happen? Where did it start? Where did your passion for this well, start? If you go way, way back, back in the days of molten lava, the bluegill <laughs> king and queen knighted me the bro. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so that's awesome. <laughs> that can be funny too, but uh, so a uh, long time ago, and I, I want to say it was even pre-high school, my, my, you know, having a name like Brosdahl, and then probably in Norway it's called Brostal, you know, and because you, you confuse even the English teachers and how to pronounce it. So come along the hockey coach, your bro. And he said it once, and it stuck with everybody. But, you know, I had people call me bro because they didn't remember the doll, bros doll. So uh, I was stuck with bro. And, and you know, now that, that gets used so so heavily. But back then, you know, it, it kind of did. But it, it it stuck. And, you know, I didn't even like the name. I was called Big Red and all this stuff. And I'm like, ah, I like that name better. Or, or, you know, whatever the cute girls called me, I like being called but and then after a while you know you don't get to choose your nicknames they get assigned to you and they stick in so i've been bro oh for over 40 years it's crazy and uh but now i'm so happy that i had that nickname because it, it's it's a differential thing it, it's um uh, and and bro's guide service has uh well, we're going, we're not three decades, but we're getting close to that. And I hate to say that because it feels like it's been 10 years. <laughs> Bro was born because I just guessing people can't pronounce my last name. And you guys know how, how coaches are. doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your name is. You're, you're either going to be, you know, you're a nickname, you're Woody or you're, you're uh, Freddie or, you know, he could I could have been called something worse. So, but, <laughs> yes. but Bro was kind of cool. And, and it sticks and it's been there since forever. And there's people still that I went to high school that probably don't know my name. Just call me bro. <laughs> call me bro. <laughs> but you're, you're spot on though. If you get a, a, a nickname that's decent, you got to just take it and own it because oh, yeah. it, there's a wide range of possibilities. <laughs> it, and those who pick out their own nicknames, it, it's, you're not supposed to do it that way. No. Yeah. It's yeah. It's kind of weird almost. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, like there's a, in my in my times, there was a, a guy. His nickname. Uh, well, I well, well, I don't want to go into that one. But anyway, let's just say that <laughs> you, you don't always get to pick him. But no. Uh, so that's that's how it really started, and um, uh, and it's and it's stuck. And even people who've never met me, they see that, and then right away, bro. So there's got to be a lot of people with th- that same prefix. I know a lot of them. They go, "How did you end up being that?" And I said, "I don't know." You know, it's it's one of those things that stuck, but it's kind of cool. 
That's cool. So how'd you get started guiding? So you said you've almost three decades in guiding. So it goes back quite a ways then. Yeah, it, uh, it, it started basically as using my experience. Um, there was a need for, for guides at the time. And uh, I just did it and went out and did it through a resort. And, um, okay. and it started out as a resort guide. And then I kind of just branched out and did it myself. Um, it's nice to do your own thing. And, um, but Leech Lake was my christening. And so that's where I, I cut my teeth. And that was, it's not that long ago, but we didn't have technology. And, and mm-hmm. simply there was, there's times I found fish by finding weed tops in the summertime or lining up structures. And you know what? There's a lot of red cabins out there. There is a lot of red cabin. And I learned a long time ago, if you, you, you don't, I, I don't lie. People ask me where I fish and I sit in front of a red cabin, but I didn't tell them which one. <laughs> you know, that's how my grandpa would do it. He'd be like, okay, you need to line up this house, that tree, and then that electrical tower. Yes. And you line all them up and you're like, okay, there, and you'd find the break. There's the break. And, you know, and, and it's just, I, I guess I was shy. I guess I wasn't like super shy, but it's, it's easy. I don't, I've never had trouble talking to people. And that's why I have friends that t- just put their hands over my face. Don't let me look around. Cause I might talk to somebody. <laughs> and so like, you know, for getting ready to go fishing on a lake, I, I had one buddy. He's just like, can you just look down and don't look up? Don't look <laughs> up, please. And I'm like, Hey, the, we might meet a friend we haven't met yet. And he just, you know, but, some people are grumpy and some people like to talk. And I like visiting with people because there's a lot of cool stories out there and I hear them all the time. And to me, that's, that's better than uh, uh, Hulu or Netflix. I'd like to hear what, mm-hmm. how people have done and what they've done. So, you know, it's great talking to you guys too. That's, that's, that's the benefit of meeting people. I mean, I'm a social person. I, I think I would, that's one of the nice things about doing our show is we do get to talk to, all sorts of different people and, and have a reason to, and, and we've heard so many great stories doing this show over the last years. So I, I can't wait to hear some of the ones that you're going to tell us tonight. I know we, we didn't warn, did we warn them Jay? About, I warned about them. I warned them. Yeah. Okay. I warned okay. them. Gonna, we have a, we're, we're looking for a story, story time at the end of the end of the show. So people will have to have to hang out with us until we get to that. You know, and, 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 you know, sometimes it's, it's, I have great stories that I don't think of them at the time. And, and sometimes I have to drink a coffee to remember. Sometimes I have to drink a pop and sometimes I have to drink something else. And then it, it jogs your memory, but uh, uh, there's so many stories. So I'm going to have a hard time picking one and, you know, might not be so spectacular to the audience, but it might be something special to me. So, but uh, at least I got time to think of something. Right. Yeah, I'm exactly. Pick one, I should say. Sometimes I just spring it on people and we got to see what comes up. Comes well, well, we're, we're in season five and we did a bunch of legends cause we've been fishing for a while too, but, oh, yeah. but you we do run, out. I don't want to say run out, but you know, you've told all the really, really good ones. So, so. we're to the point where we have to sabotage other people's gear just so we get a good story. out. <laughs> Breaks. I stuff. like that. <laughs> That's right. Up, that's they, right up my alley. Shenanigans on the ice. See how they overcome adversity. Yes, that's the true. That's the true edge. You know, if if everything gets destroyed, you got to MacGyver your way back and make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, so this this question might be, I'm, I know you fish a lot of lakes that have walleye and perch, and we're talking here, and behind you, you have a really nice walleye and two really nice perch, but uh, what is your, like, favorite fish to target? Like, what, what do you, like, when you wake up in the morning and you can do any fish you want, what's the one that you kind of go, this is what I'm going after? Well, it, truth be said, and I know this has been said because I've, I've heard this many times, is anything that bites <laughs> and uh, I like chasing panfish because you get a lot of bites out of them. But if, if I get more bites out of a wall, I'll, I'll take that if, or perch. But uh, bluegills have heart and they're really fun to catch. And I'm not talking, you know, Pringles chips that will fit in a Pringles can. I'm talking <laughs> about big old bluegills. When they start spitting and using their whole body as a rudder, they're just amazing. And for, for fresh water, they are very tropically colored. They're beautiful fish. They're barring and their, their, their colorations change from lake to lake and water clarities. I'd say bluegills are my favorite. Um, I love chasing them. Uh, you know, I, I could catch a 32 inch walleye and then catch a bluegill. And I mean, I'm not, I don't, even a, a medium or even a small bluegill. I just like catching fish And there's something fun about getting them, tricking them to bite and seeing them. And, uh, uh, and, and from lake to lake, they have different colorations. They have like a little bit of purple in their sides or their back. Uh, large bluegills actually don't have any kind of they, no slope. It's like a cliff. They have, a, a, you know, the, the Frankenstein head and the big old uh, chin that comes down. And, and they just become more of a rudder and a fighter. And they're very, very fussy. But at the same time, they can be very vulnerable you know so um an amazing fish uh, to catch and then to to get to the bluegills level use light line and you, you've got a real challenge not to horse it in with some some heavy line but um and then trying to catch them when they don't want to bite i love bluegills and i fish professionally for walleyes in the flw the national walleye tour the mwc all different types of other tournaments and smallmouth bass and all this stuff's fun, but bluegills, there's something relaxing about bluegills. It's, it's just the next level of fun. And, uh, it's just a little fish that gets bigger than other little fish, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, it's a strange thing like that. And yeah, but, but they're also becoming exceedingly rare mm -hmm. because they're a complex creature. If you, if you take the big ones out of the lake, if you, if you cut the top off, they don't write themselves. Some lakes do based on their whole uh, dynamics, whether there's shrimp or there's a, just a huge amount of food. If you, if you take the bigger bluegills out, you have a stunted population and there's been 20 year studies that prove they'll never write themselves again without some, some kind of intervention of stocking. So it's kind of a fleeting, cool little thing. It's, it's uh, you want to catch as many as you can, but really there's only so many. I mean, mm -hmm. how many are in a small lake? truly really big like 10 inch bluegills in a lake that does produce them could it be hundreds could there be just uh could there be a thousand in a in a multi-thousand acre lake there's not that many and so it's i i absolutely love them but you'll notice i really don't push stuff lately on articles and all this stuff like i used to because mm -hmm. they need a little break <laughs> so when we, we were getting ready for the show and, and jeff and i were talking i said i think he's a panfish guy and Jeff's like, well, look, look where he fishes. And I'm like, I know, but so that must be, you know, I, I ran into you a couple of years ago at Hank's Bait down oh, in yeah. Waterloo, Iowa. 
Yeah. And, and I think you were talking about panfish there. Maybe it's been several years. And so Jeff, I just, I just need to point this out that I was right. (laughs) Well, it happens every now and then. (laughs) Hey, I got a real excuse though. I mean, when I used to do the Wally tournaments and I come in, uh, on Erie, uh, and the average weight was 30 pounds. And if I came in with like 26, I could say, well, you know, I thought it was a bluegill tournament at first. So I, <laughs> or, or another excuse I'd use is now, if I had another day when everybody left, I might be able to catch up to them, you know, stuff like that. But bluegills have been my excuse in the walleye tournament some days, but sometimes I don't need an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were trying to target a, a, a bluegill, for example, what, what would be, you know, what size, do you have a size you're still reaching for that's out of reach or have you caught that or where, where are you headed with that? I really, really want to break the 13 inch barrier. And that sounds like an impossible fish, but they exist. And I've caught 12s, I've caught 11s. And an 11 is just an unbelievable thing when you see it. It's, it's just like when you see a walleye for the for you know you haven't seen a super big one for a while but when you see them over 30 31 32 almost 33 inch when you see that walleye it looks like it's a 20 pound fish and then you Mm -hmm. measure it and you're like wow you know and then you you get a bluegill that's 11 it just looks so much bigger but it's mouth closed tail pinched and you gotta be very i'm very 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 strict and and i want to see it i want to weigh it i want to measure it uh because you know i want to really know and even when when i do clickers when we're when i'm guiding I, I, when I, when I click it, I make sure everybody sees it because if for me, I want to know. And so when you do these numbers or hear people spouting out numbers, I'm like, no way. Cause I know what it takes to catch that number of fish. <laughs> you're, you're physically exhausted. You got blood and bait all over the place, but for bluegills, I really want to catch a 13 incher. Cause that's going to be two pounds for sure in my area or maybe wow. more. And they exist, but but that, that window's closing. I hate to say it mm-hmm. in the Midwest, that window's closing. I mean, the window was out here, but that window's like right here right now. So that two pound barrier and, and people are catching them all over the Midwest every day or maybe every week or month, but there, that window's really closing because of technology and, and knowledge and the, and the accumulation of lakes and studies and all this stuff. But you know, but I am seeing people throw the big ones back and they never used to throw back big bluegills. So that's really cool. But they're, they're harvesting mediums, which is what you want to do. Identify mm-hmm. the top layers and keep the mediums. I'm not saying mm-hmm. keep babies, keep mediums. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, it's kind of a cool thing, but it's, it's in the eye of the beholder too. Uh, some places, uh, in my area, if they get over nine inches, that's a really old fish where you guys live. That's a relatively moderately not super old but uh, you know like a mid-age fish and uh so here i don't keep anything over nine okay. so you know seven and a half hmm. to about eight and a half is still open game but in some areas you can't keep that because nines are big in some areas you know then you got to keep them smaller but so mm-hmm. that's the olive branch to uh, fish fryers is we're not saying keep tiny ones you know yeah. but identify what's good in your area and go for that but in northern minnesota and, you know, I'm just saying everybody, if you're going to visit here this summer, if you do catch one, just consider that one over nine, a throwback for a fork full of meat out of your filet. Don't destroy the lake. Mm-hmm. But if you want to mount one, that's different. That's a totally different game. You know, taxidizing a fish never wiped out a lake. But huge yeah. baskets fulls, 
in a, a conveyor belt of fish cleaning that that does but so if you're uh, you got a son or a grandkid or your wife catches one you can mount it but in that weed bed don't mount a second one get them from somewhere else you know i met a guy once who caught a whole bunch of giant bluegills but he said i only kept four out of one weed bed and i'm like you know this guy fishes all over the place i'm like maybe one out of the lake and grab your other ones but anyway not to dwell on it because uh, i'm just glad people are, are doing that and some aren't but at least, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's only one way or the other. You know, just the olive branches don't keep, you don't have to keep them tiny, but don't keep the giants unless you're going to mount one. And we've, we've talked about that on this show a couple of different times over the years, haven't we, Jeff? Where um, there was an article that we ran across, I don't know, maybe season two, I'd, we'd have to yeah. look back, that <laughs> talked about the genetic thing, you know, how that those big fish really, it's a genetic thing and it's not a, a lake um, nutrient thing per se. It's really a genetic thing. And so once you take the big ones out, they're not propagating and you're done. Well, and, and then to your point. Yeah. Some people have actually done experiments on their own private land. And I can't remember the one guy's name, but I read an article. He kept removing of the year class, the smallest, the runs of the year class. Okay. And he created us the genetics of the lake. He just sifted out the fastest growing fish and he had, he had fish that grew to 10 inches in two years, but he was in a little bit warmer climate that did get ice, but longer growing season. That's pretty hard to happen in a wild to identify that we'd have to have NASA money for the DNR and <laughs> NASA uh, money. that's not going to happen. But as uh, fishermen to fishermen, we can kind of, you know, if, you know, if you're, if, if, if you need to fill your freezer, get a smaller freezer. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> I like that's a good line. All right, Jeff, what's our next question? So, here? so, um, you know, we kind of mentioned some of the lakes you fish and, and, uh, you know, looking at like popular lakes, right? Red is really popular really early oh. in the season or Malax or, um, you know, even Lake of the Woods. I mean, are some of the big ones that my favorites, right? And, it, but, you know, do you, when you're fishing these lakes, do you typically fish like, near the crowd, far away from the crowd, you know, how do you make that choice, you know, or adjust to that pressured fish? My clients laugh because I could have a sailboat come near me and I, I leave. And uh, I have one client point out, he goes, your boat's moving in on you. And I looked and I was looking, I couldn't see any, he goes over there and it was a sailboat. And I'm like, Hey, funny. Cause I'm <laughs> kind of a paranoid person. And the only reason I am, you, you, you find the leprechaun, you find the gold, right? But you know, when the boats got bigger and bigger and, you know, I had a big wrap and it, it was orange and white and, oh. and uh, you could see it from outer space. Well, I didn't have any secrets that summer. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was people, they knew where I was at from miles away, but I, I like to help people. I, I tell people where I fish, but I also respect schools of fish and I don't ever beat a school of fish down till it's gone. Uh, but if there's a crowd in a spot, I don't look at the crowd. I look at the spot. I go to the areas that I want to fish. And sometimes if there's boats spread out, there's nobody on your, your very nondescript spot. They're actually fishing uh, a, a higher spot, a point. They're not fishing a little cup with some cara. You know, and, that, and when they're sitting in the car, they're feeding on crayfish or darters or, or perch. But, you know, there are areas that you can perceive there's a lot of boats. Like you go to the gap up at Lake of the Woods, any of the gaps, 
and it is, uh, you know, it's like a zoo. And, <laughs> and if you like getting waked nonstop by, you know, in the summertime by, by jet skis and boats, that's what the gap's like, except the boats are bigger. Their launch is going through, but that gap is full of fish. Right. And there's sometimes I just, I don't care. I'll do it as long as I can. I'll go there and you're catching fish. The boat next to you is catching fish. You're getting a 28. You look over there, they got something like that. Just they, they're having a hard time handling it. And then after you're shaking around and uh, you do the bobblehead over and over, then you go somewhere else. You're like, yeah, this is small and the fish are just jamming through here. But you can only take so much of that. So I like to be way, way, way off on our own. And the reason I do that, I, I imagine if I was a client in the boat, it's so much fun to be by yourself. They're going to be like, laughing and giggling some people i've had ladies scream at the fish like they're are you scared of it no they just get that excited they just scream at it and it's it you know and i'm like you, you start doing that in some areas and and you know that's like giving away free free lures or something you're gonna have people all around you but it, there is a, a serenity to have something to yourself but don't look at it as a at a crowded spot as fishing in a crowd Look at the spots in in that area, and you'll find that they're just after the same thing you are. But don't don't expect to have it to yourself if somebody is 150 feet away and you're slaying them. They might be <laughs> a little bit closer soon. Yes, uh, but I've seen it before too, even on Leech Lake, because you know you get bigger waters have bigger groups of boats. Yep, and uh, you know there's there's some lakes that draw more boats, and I know I'm going on here, but this 4th of July, there was over a 1,000 boats on Cass Lake. And Cass Lake, to me, is not a big lake. Mm -hmm. But of those boats, maybe 10 were fishing. And so up, up to that time, I tried it a few times. And it's gin clear water. The fish are real spooky. And boats and jet skis are just driving through your fish. So I learned really fast to get as far away from that lake as possible. And I found lakes that had five boats on them. And those five boats, you didn't know if there was anybody in the boat because they're taking a nap with a pole in their hand over the water. You know, so um, I like serenity. And that's, but if you have to, if you're in a tournament, you don't have a choice. Right. You weigh your options and you go for the gusto. I used to run and try to go find some all by myself. And it, it worked at times, but there is, that it, that doesn't exist anymore with technology. The last few national walleye tours and FLWs I did, I would find fish and see nobody. And on, on in the morning, on day one, I would have some big name legends fishing next to me that I never seen on the spot because that's the level of those guys. Yep. And you'd share those fish with them. So there is no, there's not a lot of secret spots anymore. Fishing is a community. And you don't need to bounce boats all the time. <laughs> when you're ice fishing, how often are you fishing lakes that you haven't fished before? Are you usually on the same lakes uh, time and time and again, or do you, do you get yourself it's, out and do some exploring and that sort of thing? It's, it's hard to find lakes that I haven't been to. Um, fishing. That's lake, probably true. <laughs> it, it, fishing. I've fished thousands and thousands of lakes and I fished all over Minnesota. I had that, that fire to try to fish all good fishing lakes. Now you could take, there's 13,000 lakes in Minnesota and they say land at 10,000, but there's more ducks lose and whatever. 
but 6,800 or so have fish in them. So <laughs> you break that down. Uh, you know, if it's just a lake with hammer handle pike, you might never see me there <laughs> uh, or just, you know, a lake with a few dogfish and bullheads. But now you, you boil it down like maple syrup and you got this little core of lakes. And if you look at angling hours, number of boats, number of wheelhouses, that number is tiny in, oh. in, in the scope of things, you know, as a focal point in the Midwest. And it's hard to find something I haven't been on, but there is stuff I haven't been on. And it's either private or I don't want to go to it and make a track to it. Sure. You know, if, if, if I'm, if I know I'm going to go to that lake and everything you pull up is dead because it's deep water and I know it's got nice fish, nice crappies, whatever. And I'm like, well, do I want to go get five crappies to eat or just leave it alone? Because if mm -hmm. I make tracks, you know, uh, tracks um, are, you know, it, if you're not from an area, what do you look for? You look where people fish, right? Tracks, tracks and, and uh, yeah, and you know, so but shallow lakes, uh, lakes where the fish move a lot, uh, large bodies of water are kind of my focus in the wintertime. Yep, okay. It always used to be small bodies of water, but uh, uh, you can gut out a small body of water up here with a slow uh, growth rates and slow season really fast with forward viewing. There's a time and a place if if it's going to be a heavy snow coming in. I'll go to some of my little gems. Sure. Ah, so, that's so like no it. trackers on my car, but if I know <laughs> there's going to be a, if the snow is pounding in and everybody's like, I'm not going fishing, man, that snow is going to be terrible. You know, I'm out there. We need sure. to slip an air tag on that. <laughs> I, I, I'm going somewhere good that time. Because <laughs> yeah. you're, you're covered. Your tracks are gone. Yeah. It's just yeah. wiped clean, you know? Well, you, ne you never know one of them 13-inch uh, sunfish might be hanging out in, oh. you know, with the, the bullhead or the little pike, you know. So. A 13-inch sunfish <laughs> is, 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 is so, I, I, I could dream about something like that. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a good field. I mean, you know, you say I got fish on my wall and I dream about fish. And That's what awesome. did Hugh Hefner dream about? Something else, you know. <laughs> but I, I'm thinking about fish all the time. And uh, But a 13-inch bluegill, I mean. It's, 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 it's a fish of legend and many, a uh, many of, uh, ice angler have been stuck in slush piles, broke down in swamps with their trucks, blew their tires where, where there was a beaver chew underneath the snow, uh, chasing this super giant bluegill that's 10 plus inches. And, uh, they got the affliction too. And they know what I'm talking about. Uh, you want the chance at getting them. And I've been really close and had those fish right there uh, wow. and got them just less, but, uh, and there's not a lot, but when you get the, that, that very, very finite amount of fish that's in the lake, if you get a chance at them, it's really fun. It's like the biggest deer in your whole area. Mm -hmm. You know, for some people, deer hunting's different. You need giant, giant amount of land that's undisturbed. So you can have a quality hunt. Well, that's not existing too much anymore. I know if I see some nice ones, they're gone by the next time I, next time they come out in the spring. But um, but for bluegills, they have a chance because they can say no a lot. And there's a starvation period in some lakes and sometimes a winter, and that all helps. And that's 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 an ab admirable thing because we're smart, we have technology, and they're just something that eats bugs. Right. <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, what do you do on your day if you have a day off? But I think I know the question, answer to this question. <laughs> well, you know, 
I used to play in a polka band, but no, just kidding. <laughs> oh, I was that. like, really? A polka band? No. I, uh, you know, with, with the amount of lakes I live by, I literally, I have a thousand lakes to the east in, in just one county. I have uh, 700 uh, lakes to the west. Lake of the Woods is just a little over one hour away. Rainy Lake's just a little over one hour away. Red Lake's less than an hour away. Wow. Um, it's, I have time off, and I'm, if I'm tired from being out there fishing and running around after fish, I go fishing. I just might <laughs> have to awesome. drink a coffee or something. But <laughs> even after a guide trip, I'll say, come on, Heather, let's go. And we'll go out in the boat. Otherwise, you know, if, if I get busy in the summer, um, you know, that's, that's how we get together and do stuff. And, and she loves fishing, but she hates to ask if I have a huge number of days, Sure, but I still go because, you know, it's, it's a different experience from the trip instead of standing or running and netting, I might be sitting with my feet up and still catching fish. And it's kind of an awkward position, but you know, <laughs> you lean I might not get out of the chair you know, except to net her fish because it's, it's her time. You know, I watched your Facebook um, live last night on the, the, mm. the bro road show. Oh, and I was sure. telling Jeff before you got on that I learned like 20 things in that hour. <laughs> and I, I just was acutely aware of how little I know after listening to that show. Oh, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this question. What's your approach to find, like, if, if you're coming to a lake, and, and you, you don't have a spot or you haven't fished mm -hmm. a lot, what, how, where do you start? How do you start? Oh yeah. Well, there's a wealth of information on the internet that wasn't available in the past. I used to have to go to the DNR office and, and ask politely if I could root through their file cabinets and they used to let me, and wow. I used to search through the maps, pull them out and I'd read the studies and now they're online. And, uh, I've, and this is how I started. I used to have to go to St. Paul. I used to have to drive to St. Paul to the map store and I'd buy maps and I'd put them out and I'd study maps. That would blow any, any millennials are like, what? Because they're just available. Google, Google earth, uh, maps on your phone. Uh, but it wasn't a huge number of years ago that maps and map chips didn't exist. You know, sometimes I call them the cartoon because you just follow the cartoon to, what you perceive as a spot. But before that existed, you just had an idea in your mind and you're driving along. You had to kind of know what to do. Uh, some of the Malax guides like the Grizz sketched what the mudflats look like. And if you look at the mudflats now on a map, he had a book where the mudflats looked like that. He even had anchor drag lines where they went through. And I don't know how he got all that information, but he had the book uh, and, and different people out there uh, made their own maps and and I did too I, I would sketch it out and now you just turn on your phone and, and all the surveys are there uh and and that's for most states because uh, the, the DNR wants you to fish they want you to get out there and have a good time and uh and it's available Minnesota Wisconsin uh North Dakota and I, I I'm sure it's available about everything every place there is but um so start with the information do the fish exist in the lake that you're going to that you're wanting to target? You know, whether it's early ice, shallow lakes, or what you go to first, or or back pool areas, um, you know, places that freeze first, traditionally freeze. And there's there's a history now because there's there's more bait shops than ever, but we had a shrinking population of bait shops, but there's more now. 
because fishing is on, on a big expansion with COVID. It's really grown exponentially. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of the bait shops have to have like a liquor store on them, but they're making it. Let's just say that. <laughs> right. They got gas. They might sell some Remingtons. But see, now there's there's a wealth of information. You start there. Lake Master and Humminbird have an app for your phone. The DNR has an app for your phone that you, you get for free and you go and you can see what the maps of the lakes look like. But now Lake Master, right at your fingertips, uh, Lake Smart, uh, it, 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 you just go through them. You can highlight the contours and everything's on your phone. So you can study before you go. You can pre-mark spots. But if you have like a Humminbird, which mapped all, a lot of the main populous lakes in Minnesota, you can look at it before you go. And so I'd, I'd say knowledge is everything before you go. And so if you're going to go fishing, take this bit of advice. In, in the professional walleye tournaments, there is not a soul there that doesn't try to gather all the information before they go. And, and every any little nugget they can get will help them further their, their accomplishments besides pre-fishing. Sure. And so there's a lot of pre-fishing on the phone. Some guys are good at that. I'm good at spotting stuff on a graph and, and reading water and, and looking for stuff. That's how I found fish. But you can gather a lot of information before you leave. And then when you go to a lake you haven't been to before, you identify where the weed beds would be first. You always start at the weeds. The weeds are the givers of life, even if the weeds are dying. And as the weeds die, the fish move farther up. But sometimes they start. If we get a lot of wind in the fall, the weeds get freshened up. A lot of the toxins get blown up, but as winter progresses and there's no fresh uh, oxygen being brought in, the weeds actually consume it and they move out. At, at late ice, that changes because the water's flushing in there and there's bloodworms and all kinds of uh, invertebrate that are consuming the deciduous matter that's created by dying and decaying weeds. And uh, what eats that? Everything in the lake from minnows to panfish and walleyes eat insects. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if fish didn't eat insects, it's it's not always uh, easy to get minnows for some fish, and they don't want to uh, exert, ex, exert the energy to to grab a fast-moving minnow when they could just eat insects that are kind of quivering above the bottom. So let's boil it all down. Weeds, then basin okay. after you've studied. Okay. And then if you don't get it, hire a guide. <laughs> I like that. I thought about that. I, we know you one were, of those, right? You, you were talking on last night about, and I had never heard this. This is one of the 20 things about how the wind was affecting the weeds underneath the ice. It's really cool. And <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. And, and, and there's been times on Leech Lake in the center flats of the lake, uh, kind of where everything joins. And I can't say the name of the island there, but there's, there's weeds standing there. And then one day I looked down and this is, oh, Jesus, a long time ago. I think they just invented the wheel the day before, but <laughs> I looked down the hole. Jeff and I and might the weeds were, You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So the, the weeds were bent over and I'm like, what's going on here? And then you look and you see fish and, and they can see your lure better. I mean, there's, there's nothing in the way and they're hanging in that area, but they're staging on this side or that side. And then bring out the Aquaview, and that's the telltale thing. You know, there's there's little clearings, there's edges, there's points. Remove all the vegetation. Remove all the brush in Devil's Lake, all the trees. Look at what the bottom contour looks like 
without the vegetation, without the weeds, and then fish saddles and points connecting bars under the weeds and vegetation. If there's a little depression in the weeds or hard bottom, soil changes even on farms. You'll be looking at, oh, look at how smooth those corn crops are. And then you'll see where there's a puddle oh. and there's the, the, the soil is different as nothing's grown there, just stubble. Yeah. That's what weed beds look like. And that's, there'd be a heck of a lot of nice fish in that little area. So changes in soil on, on big lakes up here. And I men mentioned devils because I fished there quite a bit and changes in soil from real fertile soil to hard bottom areas, to rocks, to rubble, uh, really hold a lot of fish. And so it's as simple as that, but when that wind Put, when that wind bears down on ice, imagine how big ice is. And imagine mm -hmm. a little sail on a sailboat and it blows a sailboat around. When that wind bears down and it's blown, it's it's pushing on the ice. Hmm. And it doesn't matter how thick the ice is, there's a, there's a weight to that. There's a pressure to that. And there's pressure in, in highs and lows of barometric pressure will change water weight. And so you'll see water levels change and fluctuate in your hole. But in a wind, when that, when that part of the lake pushes down the ice, it'll create just a slight sash. So it's not a tidal wave. It's sure. not four mile an hour current, but it's a light current. And some lakes are defined by the, the by the sashes. There's a, a water that blows out one way and comes back. And, you know, maybe the fish won't move, but it gives you a wheel of thought to change <laughs> your strategies during wind. And when it's really windy, they might be on the other side of the point or this side, or they just might get more active. I'm telling you, I'm telling you now I want people to listen to our show, but they need to listen to your show as well, because they're <laughs> going to learn. I ended it already. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I, I know. I was surprised I, about that last night. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. This is the last show. I was really getting into this. I'd rather be on other people's shows, especially I'm, I'm going to start taking people here in, and I've had some photo shoots and I've got, uh, you know, sponsor things I got to take care of. And, and I, so we take a break now cause it gets busy, but we're coming back in the spring Okay, and then it's all about on the water. And sure. so, uh, and I, that's about cabin fever time. Yep. You know, like I said, in my mm -hmm. show, like remember the old Charlie Chaplin show where, when they're looking at each other and they turn into a chicken and they'd start getting hungry because <laughs> all they had is a booty. That's like, I think a cabin fever when people start getting nuts and start, you know, all, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah. I think of that kind of stuff, you know, the shining. And so we need to talk about water at that time. Yes. So yeah. People don't kill each other. <laughs> they needed a, needed a distraction. That, they need a, a distraction. And there's nothing better than ice after a long open water season. And there's yep. nothing better than open water as the ice gets too rotten to go on. And it's too cold to go. It, well, it's never too cold to go in a boat. But there, there's a point of damage when you got salt all over the road, so you don't yep. want to take your boat down it. Uh, you, you know, and you can, you know, but why? You know, yeah. you take a beater boat. But uh, so those are the times when you go to destinations. Yes. So, you know, that's that's why they invented Lake Erie, and that's why <laughs> they invented Rainy River, and that's why they invented the Missouri River. Yep. And no, I can't go to all those places. I'm a working man, but so it's not like, oh, I'm going to go here. You know, I'm booking my trips and I'm going here. No, that's not how I work. <laughs> you know, I got clients that are just on the phone booking hunting guides and fishing guides all over the world. 
No, I'm saving to go to a spot because I know what it's going to be like that time of year. When we're caught in the last throngs of winter and they've closed the walleye season up on Rainy River and the lakes are too rotten to get out to the center, they're mowing the lawn down by Lake Erie and the walleyes are biting in a spring there. Or you can go to uh, the Missouri River, not too far from Iowa, not too far from South Dakota Mm -hmm. there and have a great good old time. So there's a lot of destinations. Can't go to all of them, but those are good things to think of. And at that time, we're going to be talking about open water, but you know, that's, that's the key thing is entertainment. And this right, right here, this is great because people want to know, they want to talk. They might be driving because they could listen to this somewhere. And, and that's key. And, And right now I just want to be on other people's shows because it's, it's just easier for me. I don't have to, you know, think about it. <laughs> well, we're, we were super excited that you came on. So we're glad you you came on to our show. So well, thanks for inviting me. I, I appreciate it. What, if you had to have a dream destination to go fishing, where would you go? Like if money wasn't an object, you're like, I'm going to go do this for a week. Where would it Anywhere? Be? Oh yeah. boy. And it could open water or hard water, but I prefer hard water because it this is the hard water fishing show. Oh boy, I I, I guess <laughs> um, there, there's there's a, there's ice fishing destinations all over the world, mm-hmm. but I think I would want if I if money was no object, I would do uh, two months of fishing in the Midwest first to make sure that I fished everything that I wanted to fish sure. before I go somewhere else. I don't need to okay. go far away. Okay, you know uh, you know there's. There's ice fishing spots in, uh, in, I think in New Mexico and in Colorado and in, uh, in Nevada in the mountains, but there's, there's ice fishing spots in, in, uh, Chile, even Japan, they ice fish in the mountains and it's, there's mm-hmm. an ice fishing culture up there just to see. And, 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 you know, ice fishing people just get along, but before mm-hmm. I go anywhere else, there's stuff I haven't fished in the Midwest yep. and I'd like to go there. That's awesome. And not have to worry about nothing. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, the language at least. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. You betcha. Yeah. We, yeah, we remember, that? you know, we, we, we get a fair amount of people from around the world ice fishing, but I know, I think it was for season one or two. I'm like, somebody has downloads in South Korea. There's no way like somebody's downloading. It's like, but you know, we, we've find ice fishermen, all over the place so yeah, yeah. there was a guy oh, yeah. at a, a military base there that was ice fishing in the mountains yep that's amazing and you know when i went to cascade idaho to fish them big perch i didn't go there to get limits of perch sure. why would i go there to get perch to eat when i live so far away and i got to drag them in a cooler right we went there to catch <laughs> big perch and have mountaintops all around us yeah and have yeah. elk cross in front of us and you, you, the road is blocked by uh, uh, elk and other wild animals wow. and in you know, I in being in an area that had so many hills and ravines that my knuckles were white on the steering wheel because I'm a <laughs> flatlander here in Minnesota and uh, I think I'd rather hire someone to drive me there but anyway that's another story and I did see a lot of those gate those those guardrails there were some holes in them so oh boy I'm not the only one I didn't want to be those you wonder people. where those holes came from oh uh yeah some car went down there, but when you look way, way, way down there, like in the movies, and there's a little town way there. That's probably where they went, the hard way. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> wow. But anyway, so I have a way of making a short story long. But uh, so 
I was out there fishing in Cascade catching these giant perch and met a guy in Nevada. He's like, I'm catching some perch, but they're not like these when you catch them. Yep. You know, and on Cascade, if you have 20 perch in a day, that's really good. And it used to be, I heard stories of 50, 60, 40. Nah, I, I've not met a person there who says that. You know, I've seen it online, but I've never met a person there because I talked to a DNR officer and he set me straight. And so it was something like we had about the best action and it wasn't that fast. I think the day that we were out there, we caught a dozen and we had uh, Heather cut two over 16 inches, which were right there. And, wow. And yeah. That's it. That's what we kept because perch tastes like perch, right? And, uh, and we went there uh, trophy seeking and threw everything back, but you catch trout. So it, 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 there's, there's destinations all over the place and kind of a long drive, but I wouldn't mind. I'd like to go to Iowa and fish farm ponds, you know, well, and, there's and some I, big, I'd love to, that's, that's kind of, you know, what I'd like to do. And then in ice fishing, you know, ice, ice is a very communal thing. Ice, you are right over your game. They're right underneath your feet, open water. You're pitching the fish, you're ripping a bait, you're, you're popping a frog, you're, you're, uh, you're drop shotting, you know, you're, you're dragging a bait, you're jigging in the ice. Those fish are swimming right under you. And sometimes they're only four feet under you. Sometimes they're 30 or more, but it's a cool thing. It's, it's deer hunting for fish. And even people from, I've, I've had people from Louisiana, um, Miami, um, and they come and it's everything they thought it'd be. They had a blast. And, but they get they get cold easier, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. I, I had a guy from Texas, and he was out walking, and it was only it was minus two. And I said, "Aren't you cold?" He goes, "It's all state of mind." He goes, <laughs> I, "I've been in cold deer stands before, and I just love this." And he's walking oh. hole to hole, and he cut out outfished all his buddies who sat in the house, you know. So it's a state of mind. Well, Jeff, do you think we should go to his story? Yeah, I think we. I think it might be time for the 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 legend, you know, the story of uh, ice fishing. I'm sure you've got so many of them. I mean, you fish like I mean, for every time I fish, you probably fish a hundred times. So, so before we get there, though, I do want to ask one more question. I'm oh, sorry. He, sure. Jason, Campbell, Absolutely. one more question. Right. I, I do. Well, I just can you give us uh, like what's up next for bro? You know, where are you going to be? Are you are you back into guiding, or you got some shows going on, or kind of what's the next couple months look like for you? Well, I'm going to have some boat shows. Cause I do those too. Cause I, you know, I like getting deals on boats. And so I'm going to definitely be out uh, representing Lund and Mercury. And uh, I've had other ones in the past, but I'm super excited about having that big glass Lund and, uh, and a, a 400 Merc to push it. In. Wow. Oh <laughs> well, I'm on, you know, if I'm out on Winnie or Leach and it blows, uh, I don't want to get slapped around. I don't want my clients to have a rough ride. So, and I've been there before where you, you've, you, you, you go into the waves and you don't even know it. And then uh, I'm doing something or I have to drop off my boat and I get a loner boat and I go out in there into the waves in just a regular boat and you can't even make it. You can't even make it happen. Wow. There is such a difference, you know, but um, so I'll be doing that and uh, doing boat shows and um, not, not all over the place, specific ones for like a local dealership raise and, uh, and definitely a, promoting London any chance I can and then open water fishing Northland fishing tackle we got mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff going on uh and hummingbird mega live 360 aquaview dubro um gamakatsu uh sunline 
uh, all the companies uh, and of course fish monkey because I'm a ginger so I have to protect my my gingerly skin so I'm going to be wearing that stuff and that's kind of new in 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 fresh water uh, we never always had that that protection like you'd see it in the keys sure. they're always mm -hmm. shadowed up well there's nothing wrong with keeping the, my good looks I don't want to be all wrinkled <laughs> when I'm old so but that's that's what I'll be doing is that and then of okay. course I'll be taking trips and and uh, meeting people and of course doing shows whenever I can online I probably could ask you, and I could probably talk to you for another four hours, but in the interest <laughs> of the show, we'll move it along to your story, your legend. Ooh, What's your legend? I, I, I got to mention one more thing, Jay. Oh, that we got one more turn. thing. That was my turn. <laughs> Here we go. Right. So, so you mentioned fish monkey, so I got to say this. So um, my hand, my gloves are cooked, right? So I'm like, I need some new mitts, and I like mitts, not the gloves, but the Oh, sure. The mitt, you know, like, I don't know. It's likes just, to play patty cake. Yeah, you know. So so I'm like, I need a new pair of mitts. And I'm like, so I'm like, what's going to keep my hands warm? Because I don't like getting cold. And there I Google it. And there you are, fish monkey gloves. I'm like, you're talking about the gloves for ice fishing. So so I have, I ordered a pair. They're on the way. So I haven't tried them. Oh, fantastic. Yet, you're going to love them because they're, they're, they're just, they're the best design glove there is. And, and that's, that's the one thing I, I talk to Tim Mossberg all the time. He is so tenacious and there are people like that out there. And when they are like that, they make the best stuff. And it's all about his tenaciousness at the design. And I don't see that in, in too many places, you know, sure. in, in, most of my sponsors are like that. I feel lucky. I feel like I won the lottery just to be with these sponsors, but also in, in the fishing industry like this, we don't get rich. I'm a working man. I just love what I do. And that's why I do it. So kids, if you ever want to become a pro fisherman, uh, you go into, go into pro fishing, start with $2 million and then you'll have $1 million before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> or I always tell kids become a, a salesman and sure. or a teacher and then teachers get all that time off. Then you can guide if you want to right. or hire a guide, get, be, get a job where you sell one part to industry and you make, you, you sell three things and you're, you retire there, there. That stuff exists out there. I, I always tell the kids, and then you come over and hire me, you know? So that's, that's what you do. But uh, no, if, if, if I had to, there's, there's so many stories. I think some of the, uh, the some of the cooler stories that uh, I've had are, are just hooking so many big fish and, and having people hook them. I had a father and son from Louisiana, and this was just a fun story. Uh, I'm, I set them up on a spot on Leech Lake, and uh, they they were kind of cold. They, they got on the plane, it was 80, and when they got off the plane, it was minus 30 here. Ooh, they ooh. thought they might have made a mistake. <laughs> and so I said, stay in the truck, stay warm, I'll set up a house. And they had their, they had their hoods up, and I said, and, and all that was sticking out is the guy's nose. And I said, how you doing? And he had gloves and he was wrapped. Right. He was bundled really heavily. And he goes, everything's fine, but my nose is cold. And so that's the only thing sticking out. It looked like Kenny from South Park. But anyway, <laughs> so I, they, they came from the car to the to the fish house. And I set them up. And they're like, you know, they're I, I like how crazy they were about fishing. They were yelling every time a perch would come through there and screaming and stuff. So everything was going good and they're catching some jumbo perch and, and then it was kind of quiet and then they're yelling again and I come running over and they had a 25 inch walleye and I'm like, they're like, wow, they're like yelling, no big deal. And then, so time went on and, 
and they weren't like screaming at it. And all of a sudden they're freaking out. I'm like, like something happened. And I'm like, Oh no. Like, you know, did something, right. you don't know. You got propane, you got a heater. And I run yeah. over there and I open up and they had a little Northern and, and I'm like, what's going on here guys. And they're like, this little Northern was so much fun. They were just hooting and hollering and slapping their thighs and stuff. And that to some people, no, it's not something obnoxious. It's not something, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, like we see some stuff happen and, uh, but it was absolutely amazing. And then, so, so they go away. They said it was a trip, a bucket list trip and a trip of a lifetime. And a little bit later, I was really happy about it. And I get this box in the mail. And it's from Louisiana. And I'm like, oh, what's in it? Uh. So I opened up this box and there's a mouth in there. And they sent me an alligator head. Okay. (laughs) You know, nothing exploded. You know, I've got stories where propane tanks started fire, not mine, but people next to me that are moving into on us and fed people drill up to us. We've had clothing failures and and bathroom failures and stuff like that. But I didn't want to talk about that. It was so much fun uh, being with those guys. They were so animated and literally I thought something happened. And I come running over there and then later I get an alligator head. I thought that was really cool. And they go, that's our Louisiana. Oh, uh, thank you. And uh, so, you know, and, and kids catching fish, there's a bunch of those in, uh, but nothing too obnoxious in, but stuff, obnoxious stuff happens. But, you know, I think that's more of a, a fun story. That's awesome. cool. I'm really, I'm glad you shared that with us. That's, that is, uh, that's a great story. And, you know, from, from watching tonight and, and all our listeners are just going to hear us jabbering on, but you can, Jeff, I don't, I'm, you're going to agree with me on this, that bro is like, you can just tell he loves what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he yes. tells these stories in his eyes. Like, yep. you know, if it was a cartoon, he'd be twinkling as he's talking. <laughs> so, oh, you guys didn't know I am a cartoon. Oh, I'm, someone sketched me. I'm, oh, I'm, really? I'm not, yeah, I'm not a real human. I'm just a, a, a cartoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, I, someone's called me a cartoon once before, once or twice before. But I think that has something to do with my rosy cheeks hmm. and my red goatee. A guy with a red goatee and rosy cheeks named Bro. Yeah. You know, and not not quite a leprechaun because I'm taller than a lot of the other guides. Yes. But uh, it's it's just fun. It's, there's something so amazing about fishing and ice fishing and everybody has their bad days, oh, yeah. but a bad day here is I'm, I'm still looking at an extraordinary thing. You know, if, if you go on my Facebook, I created a site fishing is my excuse to be in extraordinary places. You know, you hear the water, you hear, you see the snow, you hear the sound of the wind blowing through the snow and the trees and the different formations of land. Mm-hmm. And you guys know what I'm talking about, but someone who has an ice fish doesn't know that there is mm-hmm. kind of a whistling sound that gets made out there almost ghostly. And mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a certain calmness and peace. But when you're out on the water, you see loons diving, you see fish jump up and grab birds sometimes. And uh, it's just amazing. It's wild. And so, and when I was a little kid, my uh, sister-in-law said, why do you like fishing so much? You little kid. And she always said I was like a, an old man in a kid's body. And I come up with fishing is my excuse to be in extraordinary places. And I said that when I was nine years old, because I used to run the river by myself in a boat, Mississippi river, shallow riffly area in a boat by myself. Wow. And it was fun. I just enjoyed it. And I liked having people there, but I didn't mind being by myself because 
you get to think and do things, but it's better to have somebody yeah. in case you get into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, bro, I think we're going to have to sign off for the, the interview yep. here tonight. Um, I really want to say thank you so much for absolutely. Uh, Thanks for, for having me guys tonight and everybody yeah. enjoy and, and get out ice fishing or, or open water fishing, but yeah, t- tune in to the bro roadshow. The live version is going to be bro roadshow on the water. It's, it's going to be in end of March, April. And just, a, we're just going to have a few segments like we did there. And it's just, it's just something fun to do. And I might have more time than, but you guys enjoy. And thanks for having me. Thank you. Right. Thanks, bro. Absolutely. Well, that was a great interview with, with bro, uh, his website. He's got bros guide You can connect with him. He does guide. So if you want to hook up with him and, and have him guide you on fish, he he's, I, I would highly recommend him just from what I know about the guy. And uh, we really want to thank him for, for being on tonight. And I also do want to give a special shout out to uh, Ian who helped make the connection for us to, to chat with bro tonight. Really appreciate you doing that. So thank you and have a, have a great night. Tight lines. Cheers. Five. You've been listening to the Hard Water Fishing Show with Jeff and Jason. Say goodbye. One of the most unique podcasts on the planet where we talk about tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Till then, signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.